I'm Chris. I'm John. I like books. I like novels. I like a hobbit of the Shire. I am awaited in Valhalla. And this is Media High. All right, everyone, pull out your maps and set your compass, because it's time to dive into the topic of world building. World! Let's jump into hypotheticals. Hypo. Thetical. John, if you had to choose one fictional means of transportation, what would it be and why? Oh, uh, this is a toughie. So, I like, from any universe any, any universe it's a real broad open-ended um, so i would gosh this is just can i choose two yeah sure one for aesthetic purposes mm. other other for actually both for aesthetic purposes uh one would be d- a dragon for sure because that would just be dope from what universe uh for aragon Oh, incredible. I was thinking Game of Thrones or well, Harry Potter, but Aragon is even better. Yeah. We Gotta get that mental connection. Exactly. And and the, the mental connection, it exists in Game of Thrones as well with her being, oh, they're, they're her children. What? She is the mother of dragons. What? She is their mother in the way that Aaron is the mother of buckets. Okay. You know, um, yeah. she didn't buckets actually is their dog. She didn't actually give birth to fire-breathing beasts, Chris. George R. R. Martin is a sick and twisted man, but yeah, he's not that really sick and twisted. Yeah, you really lost me. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but so either by a dragon with Aragon, um, or Aragon, I would apparate. But in the way oh, that sick. the movies do it well, where they like suck yeah, into themselves oh, it's, it's like so it's swirly beautiful. in the air it's gorgeous <laughs> it's like um in <laughs> it's like in miss peregrine's home for children i never actually saw the movie but in the trailer <laughs> did anybody <laughs> no. no but in that the, was rude. in the trailer there was one beautiful moment of special effects where miss peregrine turned into like the bird and it was just gorgeous oh. like just the effect she was just like into a bird is is miss peregrine fox i would say yes but this bird is black oh and as as we all know (laughs) (laughs) conspiracy theory over i was booing the fact that my never mind never mind oh gosh we're gonna cut that john you got a hypothetical for me i do i do if you could live in one world, we're talking yeah. about world building today. If you could yeah. live in one fictional world, Cristobal, what would it be? You know, at first I would think the world of Avatar The Last Airbender, but then it'd be like, well, well that would suck if I wasn't a bender. That oh, would, if, that you, would, that would if you were just a... If I was the muggle of the Avatar universe. Oh. <laughs> um, so could I choose... If I could choose like what I was in that universe, I'd probably be a wizard in Harry Potter. Okay. Or okay. maybe, maybe the world of Aragon, but that would suck because they're always at war. Mm. Um, yeah, so probably Harry Potter, honestly, if I was a wizard. That's dope. I think that would uh, be my choice. I would choose to live in Hunger Games in probably Whoa. District 4. Um, Baller. Because I think I have the physique for it. Yeah. I, I'm tall, tall and gangly. Tall, gangly. I can really move through water well. Um, and I am also above the age where I could get oh, picked for yeah, the Hunger Games. Right. And let's be honest, I'd love to watch those kids beat up on each oh other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. John, <laughs> what if Buckets had to be in the Hunger he Games? He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. Um, you don't know that. No. You never know. May the odds be ever in your favor, but you never. They would. They would know. be in my favor. Uh, yeah, but I would probably live in that universe and maybe okay. just try and take Stanley Tucci's job. Yeah. All right. What so, are we talking about today? Today we're talking about world building. Mm. Um, Super sexy topic. Yeah, when when we first started talking about this. If you want a clickbaity title, <laughs> check out world building. Tell your audience you're going to talk about fictional world building. The real nice topic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going with that. I didn't know either. Where are we going with this conversation? John, what what are some of your favorite worlds? Well, we've already previewed some of them. We have. I think the most obvious that we talk about so often on this podcast Very is like too, Harry too Potter. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of, of The Boy Who Lived. More like The Boy Who Lived. More like The Boy Who Won't Die on this podcast because we keep bringing him up. Because we um, keep bringing him up. So big fan of The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. 
JKR, my Obviously gal. a big fan of Middle Earth, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings slash The Hobbit. Huge fan, obviously, of Game of Thrones. One that we haven't necessarily talked about that I gave a bit of a nod to at the beginning of this episode, Mad Max. Mad Max is actually one of my favorite worlds that I just, I have to be honest, was just recently introduced to, obviously, with the 2015 movie with starring Tom Hardy. Uh, but there are several, several movies. This is a universe that has been going on since the 70s or 80s uh, with Mel Gibson, and I have recently started going back to watch those movies as well and have fallen in love with that world. Yeah, John, I've still yet to be introduced to that world. You need to. So We'll start We'll start with watching Fury Road, and then we'll just work our way backwards. Work our way back? Yeah. Like Doctor Who working his way down from old to young. Yeah, you're uh, in my ignorance pool again. I'm in my own ignorance pool again. <laughs> I've never watched Doctor Who either. I just know that one fact. How sh- we were talking about this earlier. How shameful is it that we have a podcast on media and culture and we have not watched a single episode of Doctor Who between us? No, I've watched like three episodes. Oh. I, I lied to you earlier. I'm you sorry. You just ruined it. I'm sorry. Well, what are your favorite worlds? Doctor Who? Uh, I gotta say, I gotta say the Hooniverse, <laughs> um, the Hooniverse for sure. Gotta get that sonic screwdriver action. Um, no, not the Hooniverse. I think that my, my all time favorite, I think is cliche, of course. And John already said it, which makes it even more cliche, but it is, I mean, the wizarding universe is incredible. Um, I mean, there are several universes, so I'm just going to run through them real quick. Harry Potter, wizarding world. Avatar The Last Airbender, the world that they created, and J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings universe is is just is a feat of world-building engineering, fictional engineering. Absolutely, positively. So maybe we skip this, but I think we should, for all of our listeners, come up with what what is a good working definition for world-building? When we talk about that, what do, what do we actually mean when we're talking about that in this yeah, conversation? Yeah, So the way I see world-building as a term um, in fictional literature or in fictional media in general is you have a story. It's the fictional place, setting, world, or universe in which your fictional story and fictional characters live and your story takes place. So we are defining world building as something that is done only when the author or creator or filmmaker is creating something outside of the realm of our reality. I think that it can sometimes be parallel to our reality, exist within our reality like Harry Potter. Right, but they have to be creating something that does not exist. Like a movie like Moonlight... Or La La Land requires no world building. Would you say that? Yeah. Okay. I would say that. As far as world building in the sense that we'll be talking about it today. So there has to be something fanciful or sci-fi, some sort of sci-fi fantasy element to the world in order for it to be world building. Because to me, what the the distinction, and this is not to sort of belittle what creators do, a creator like you know, author Gillian Flynn or the, the, you know, thousands of other creators that tell stories that don't have these sort of fanciful elements. John Green. John Green. Hank Green. Come on now. Uh, not to belittle the work that they do. It's just, to me, it's a different thing. Like what they do is they create, they create a setting for their story yes. to exist within yes. n- rather than building a world for their story to exist. Yes, I agree. So I think that's an important distinction for us to make before we even start. So what are some of the elements that make for good world building for you? Okay. So for me, I, I was, I did some thinking about this and I thought about the worlds that I have found myself sucked into time and time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. And what common elements or themes do they share? What does Harry Potter have that Mad Max has that, you know, Ender's Game has or whatever it is? Um, And one of the big things for me is a force of evil in the world and then also a force of good in the world. To use Harry Potter as an example again, it's like the force of evil in the world is not just the villain of Voldemort, but dark wizardry, dark magic on the whole. 
Like there is, you, you're introduced to what are the evils of this world. Just like for us in our world today, in our actual world, there are villains in our world. There are people who commit crimes, but there is pervasive evil like like gun violence, you know, yeah. or, or something, you know, something along those lines. And I think really good world building has similar elements to that that perhaps parallel some of the evils in our world. The the conflicts between, you know, races that happens in other worlds just like it it parallels the conflicts that happen in our world. Yeah. What what else? Yeah, so for me, I go a little bit more um, down to earth with it. So for quite me, quite literally, quite literally in some cases. So for me, the things that really every fictional world, or when you're thinking about world building, what you're setting needs are things like currency, agriculture, government, um, things like that. Things that we survive off of, things that we use every day, things that are required for life. Technology is a big one that every world is unique in its technology. And I think that those are the bases of worlds. I mean, those are the things that are inherent to everything that the most unique worlds create the most unique offsets of those offsets i guess the most unique parallels to our technology or our currency yeah but they can't be so i don't think they can be so unique to the point where we actually can't comprehend them sure you know because i've watched stuff or read stuff before where i'm like this is so in depth that i can't even grasp what this actually is or what this actually looks like it needs to be sort of unique and and special and of its own thing yeah while at the same time resembling enough of what something that i already know absolutely i think some of the um ender's game sequels i guess some of the other books from orson scott card it was almost difficult to read because they didn't do this super well i mean they it was difficult because the world was so different from our own so unique in its way that it was hard to grasp fully and to relate fully to what was happening in the story. Something that does this very well, I think, is Star Wars. George Mm -hmm. Lucas, when he was making the original trilogy, when talking to his concept designers, um, specifically with talking ships and transportation, George Lucas, the concept designer, would give him a spread of different concepts that he'd been working on. And George Lucas, within three seconds, would point to one and say, that's it. Mm -hmm. No other deliberation, nothing else. And he would always base his choice on you need to understand the ship immediately. Within three seconds, you need to understand where the pilot sits, where everything goes, hmm. where where's the front, what's the back, what's the top, what's the bottom. You need to understand that immediately. And that's how George Lucas would choose the concept art, even if it wasn't necessarily his favorite design or the artist's favorite design or favorite ship that they made. You had to understand it. It had to be believable and parallel to our world and our designs. Yeah, so world building essentially then starts in the mind of the creator. And if the the creator has to have a very, very clear vision of what that world looks like, what it should look like, and especially what it shouldn't look like, and it's out of that creator's vision that then that world is sort of born I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and it also brings up an interesting conversation between book and movie because a lot of what a lot of these worlds we're talking about started as books and then eventually became movies. The ones that are unique to that are things like Star Wars, for example, mm-hmm. or we we talk about Pixar. Almost every Pixar movie builds it, it involves some sort of world building. Wally Bugs Life, Cars. Yeah, all of these Monsters, Inc., they they involve some sort of world building. But then you get, like, when you talk about the classic ones, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, all of these, they come from a, a not the movies or the TV show versions, they come from a book version. And if you read the books, the world is so much more developed in the books right. than it often is in the movies. Ooh, and perhaps that is purposeful because in the movies, the world is maybe a little bit easier to understand. Yeah, but it's also sometimes painful. 
how, mu- <laughs> how much is cut? Um, let's do another plug for our, our book to movie transition episode that, <laughs> that we're going to keep it going for every episode, plugging this episode that may never come. It will happen eventually. Um, but sometimes it's a good thing. Like there are elements of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings that like I literally can't read. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like the entirety of the Silmarillion. It's so in depth. Like yes. the Two Towers was one of the longest books I have ever tried to read. And then it translated into one of the best movies that I've ever oh, read. Oh, for sure. That I've ever seen. Like I love Two Towers the movie. Did not like Two Towers the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think perhaps the reason was because the the world is it, and from the from the medium of of text, it takes a lot more time. Yeah, you what you would spend two pages describing in a book, you can literally show in two seconds on a screen. Yeah. And so it's it's just a bit of a different thing, perhaps. Um, But let's go back to some more some more elements, because there's there's one element that we haven't I don't think we really talked about that we sort of hinted at in our superhero episode, which is a good world has laws or rules within it. And plug to our superhero cinema episode, uh, episode 004. But we talked about how, for me, one of my frustrations with Avengers, for example, is because you have all of these independent superhero worlds that all have their own rules. They all have their own rules that they function by. And yet when you combine them all, you inherently have to throw out certain rules from Thor's universe in order for them to work with the Hulk's universe. And so I think a, a successful world needs to have rules within it. Can can you think of any examples of, of rules that exist within these worlds we're talking about? House elves in Harry Potter. Oh yeah. <laughs> there it's a it's a very set code of where do house elves fall in social hierarchy and within the house elves themselves, what are the rules that govern the race of house elves? Right. It, they must obey their master. They must not get paid. They're released by clothing. These are very clear and simple to understand rules that pretty much everyone in the world knows and understands. Mm. And one of the easiest ways for a creator, an author, a filmmaker to bring those rules out is kind of the crutch of creating a protagonist that has no idea what any of these yeah, things are. Yeah, absolutely. Which we see that in Harry Potter. We see that in Maze Runner. We see that in just so many ways, we see that in, even in Hunger Games where Katniss has grown up in this world, but when she is drafted into the games, she's being thrust into a new part of that world that she has no idea what it is, and so constantly things are having to be explained yeah. to her. And, and Hunger Games is a great example. Divergent in Hunger Games, it's everybody in the world knows that this is something that happens... And it just happens. You know, mm-hmm. the games are just something that happens. Getting sorted into factions are, is just something that happens. You don't argue with it. You don't try to fight it. You just know it's there. It's very clear to understand. Yeah. It, but then that's perhaps why something like Ready Player One from book to movie, for me, didn't really work. Yeah. Because your main character there, and really all of your characters in Ready Player One, they exist in a world that they already know everything about in fact the main crux of all of our main characters is the fact that they know so much about this world everything about everything but when you when it's being narrated to you in the book it all makes sense because he's sort of explaining it in this almost like journal entry history of it but you can't have more than a couple minutes of a scene in a movie of this voice of a narrator explaining what's going on. Yeah. And so it's a little bit harder to follow those rules. Another thing that is really bad is when those rules aren't consistent. Yeah. That's what makes for a really bad or weak world. Can you think of examples of a world that doesn't have consistent rules besides <sighs> maybe superhero f- universes? The thing is people pointed out even in the best created worlds. Yeah. Even in the best created worlds ever. I mean... Just today, when we were talking about this, I said, John, why don't wizards (laughs) use more muggle technology? It's just, it's ridiculous. It's it's insane to me that we are still rocking torches on the walls of Hogwarts. And John expertly pointed out to me that maybe it's because the groundskeeper of Hogwarts is a squib. But still, (laughs) we are rocking torches in a magic castle. Can we get, like... 
magic lanterns or mm-hmm. like maybe just like little light bulbs with flames in them or pixies or something something <laughs> a little or just use electricity i mean cars are occasionally used in harry potter the hogwarts express which what 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 and then there's plumbing in hogwarts but besides that very little muggle technology is ever used in the harry potter universe which just is baffling to me yeah well and i think that's part of part of what jkr is doing that is so genius is and and this is true for pretty much all the worlds that we're talking about that are so good is they actually not only do they parallel elements with our own world, not only do they work side by side or from within our own world, but also they t- they borrow from folklore or other worlds that sort of already exist out there. Mm-hmm. Before any of us ever read a Harry Potter book, we had an idea of what a witch or what a wizard was. Yeah. And so what J.K.R. did is she borrowed from that sort of common knowledge and she specified it and she deepened it and she created a world around it. George R.R. R. Martin, we all have this idea of like this medieval world in which Everyone is fighting one another for power and everyone's jealous for power. What he did is he took that common understanding and he deepened it. And then someone like Tolkien, for example, took several different elements of things that we knew. We know about elves. We know about dwarves, dwarves and orcs. And, and he just put all of them in one world and was like, let's see who comes out on top. We also know about rings and we know about Sauron and we know about a giant eye in the sky. And we know about <laughs> made up languages and we know about forests and we know about rivers. The more I think about it, I'm just like Tolkien just kind of literally threw everything at the wall and was like. Tolkien's crazy. He's a crazy. Tolkien's insane. Crazy Did you, man. He was making up languages when he was like nine. Yeah, that's nuts. I can't even speak English. <laughs> so I want to take a minute and talk about Pixar, though. And re- really, even beyond Pixar, like, let's talk about world building from within animation. Because the more that I was looking into and researching for this episode, the more I realized just how often animators have to build an entire world. So, so you just you just pulled up a bunch of Pixar movies. Just literally read those. So we've got Coco, which they had to build the entire world in which Coco lived out that movie, which is the the land of the dead. The land of the dead. We have Cars, which is an entire world. I mean, it, it is our world. They bar- what the, what they do is they borrow something from our world right. with cars, and they give them personalities, and they make cars the people of that world. But it, there are rules that have to be. Yeah, sort of followed Followed with it. You can't pick up a cup because you're a car and you just got a tire. <laughs> that's a rule that's got to be followed. Yep. I think Inside Out is a great example because the entire world is built on the basis of this is what your mind looks like as a world. Well, and Pixar is really genius at doing this where they build an entire world within a small, small thing. You know, they they build an entire world like w- w- the Monsters, Inc. What they did is they took a small, small thing, a child's closet, and they built an entire world mm-hmm. of monsters yeah. there. Yeah. You know, they took with Inside Out, they took a child's mind and they built an entire world because what I mean, not to get super existential or anything, but like what is a child's mind other than this whole world of possibilities and they just physicalized it you're getting a little too existential sorry sorry guys i'm just feeling very sentimental tonight but that's a great point they are really good at taking things that we know and love and creating something fantastical about it yeah i mean that's what the that's what the grinch is sure like to talk about dr seuss like the grinch i don't know if this is technically in the original book but it takes place on a snowflake like whoville is on a snowflake yeah so it's this thing, and within this thing, there's this giant, expansive world. To go back to Pixar, we've got Ratatouille taking place in a restaurant. Toy Story taking place in a kid's room. Finding Nemo taking place in an ocean. Sure, it's pretty big, but like, it's still something that we know that's on Earth that we can see, but that is turned into this amazing thing. A Bug's Life taking place in a little patch of grass. I right. Mean, it just... 
building out these incredible worlds. And, and maybe let's talk, let's talk about like different kinds of worlds because there's the kind of world that what's so enticing about it. It's like, it's there. It's just under our nose. Yeah. That's what so many of these that we're talking about. That's what a bug's life is. That's what monsters Inc is. That's what toy story is. That's what Harry Potter is. Mm -hmm. Essentially. It's this wizarding world that exists. Like it's real. Magic is real. It's like just beyond what you can see. Yeah. So we have those kind of worlds, but then we also have like dystopian or, or utopian or post-apocalyptic which you were explaining the difference between yeah. all of those. Let's earlier talk today. young adult books, baby. <laughs> young adult fiction. Well, first, let's under what is the difference between utopian and dystopian? Right. So, futures? so a utopian future is it is a future in which technology has aided society. It's it's a happy, bright future. Let's think um, meet the Robinsons, the future that he sees mm-hmm. when he travels into the future, um, kicking it to our animation pals. Meet the Robinson is, is a great example of a utopian future, whereas dystopian... Every is, episode of Black Mirror. Every episode of Black Mirror, <laughs> right. Hunger Games, Divergent, pretty much any other <laughs> teen angst book is Maze a Runner. dystopian future. Maze Runner, yeah. It, it's a future... That's kind of bleak, kind of dark. Then there's that one protagonist who's like, I'm going to save the world. And we're like, yeah, you go, Katniss. We believe in you. (laughs) And then the difference then with post-apocalyptic is in a dystopian future, society is still up and running. Society looks different. Society has changed. Society is very dark. But society still exists. Whereas post-apocalyptic, something like Mad Max, for example, all of society is essentially gone. I am legend, you know, the world, world war Z, world war Z, the, the world is being or has been destroyed and we are seeing the aftermath mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of world building that is done through this like futuristic lens in a way, like we've been talking about with a dystopian, a utopian or a post-apocalyptic future. What other types of worlds are there? I mean, what is star Wars then? Star Wars is sci-fi. Straight up sci-fi. Sci-fi. It's it's a little hard to it's Star Wars is very unique in that in at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, besides the Star Wars stories, at the, at the beginning of every trilogy movie, it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So that kind of trips with our mind. It's like, is this a long, long time ago? Or From is where this, we are now. Or is this the future? Because obviously the technology in Star Wars is way, way more advanced than the technology that we have here. I mean, I wish I had a lightsaber, slice that bread in the morning. <laughs> but I mean, it's... Do you slice your own bread? If I... <laughs> no. I was going to say, you I, are really behind the I times. If I had a lightsaber, though, maybe I would. Okay, okay. Let's think of a better use for a lightsaber. Cut through that door if it's locked. <laughs> okay, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So those are our three worlds that we're sort of working with. There's the world within our world that exists already right underneath our noses. There's the world that our world one day could become. And then there's the world that borrows elements of ours but is totally separate. Is there anything that we're missing? I mean... I don't think so. I think that's uh, th- that's pretty much the basis of every world building that has been and probably will be. I mean, it's kind of like the way that there are five senses. There are three dimensions. It's There's not a ton else that you can do besides set in our world, set in a future or past of our world, set in a world similar to ours. That's kind of the basic basics of world building. But of course, Cristobal, we know one thing that every world needs is technology. A little bit of tech talk. Why don't you teach us about our world's technology here on Two Minute Tech Talk. Welcome to Two Minute Tech Talk covering the latest in media technology. Today we're talking about Microsoft and its October 2nd press event. Just a month after the release of the Surface Go, the tiny tablet slash netbook slash Surface device released on August 2nd, Microsoft has come out with a whole new slew of hardware, including the Surface 6. 
Although contained in the same shell as the previous model, the Surface 6 is rocking the 8th generation Core i7 chip, and that's pretty much all that's changed. The screen is the same, the body is the same, the lack of USB Type-C is still shockingly the same. The only other thing that's changed is the base model price, which has gone up $100 from last year's model, and that it now comes in a stealthy matte black. Life-changing stuff. Along with the Surface Pro, Microsoft also released the Surface Studio 2. It's all-in-one 28-inch desktop device geared towards artists and creatives. The new device is very similar to the previous model released in 2016 and is now available for pre-order starting at a steep $3,500. They also released a new Surface Laptop 2, but the biggest news comes with the announcement of the brand new Surface headphones, which are, quote, the smarter way to listen, unquote. But are they really smarter? Priced at $350, these Bluetooth over-ear headphones have a big focus on Cortana, Microsoft's AI, which you've probably never heard of because nobody really uses it. With full battery, you get 15 hours of playback and can get an hour more with only five minutes of fast charging via the USB-C port. The Surface headphones were very unexpected and caused many to wonder if the Surface phone would be coming anytime soon. Microsoft's chief product designer, Panos Panay, says a pocketable Surface device is, quote, absolutely my baby, unquote, and hopes to see it released in the future. The Microsoft event was not really what anyone expected, but got many excited for the future of the Surface line. Will we all have Surface devices in our pockets in 10 years? Will the flip phone be all the rage again soon? We'll just have to see. And that's all for this week on Tech Talk. Stay tuned next time for the latest in media technology. Welcome back, friends. Media high. Oh boy. Um, I hope that was fun. I wouldn't know because I left the room. Um, Stop lying. <laughs> you I didn't actually. Here. I I didn't leave the room only because we are currently in a hotel room, and it would have been weird for me to go out in the hallway. Um, Chris and I. I think are, it was weirder for me to see you here while I was doing tech talk. Yeah, that was weird. Chris Strange. and I are traveling together right now. Uh, Chris is being a good friend and helping me out with a race that I have this weekend. Zinger. So. I'm just in it for the free food. Yeah, cheers. Um, so we decided for the second half of this episode that we would give ourselves a challenge. Challenge accepted. And the challenge is going to be, Chris. John, what's the challenge? We are putting together a Franken world. We are going to put together the best built world of all time, borrowing elements from many of the worlds that we've already talked about. Yeah, fight me, Harry Potter. You think you're the best world? Take this, We are JKR. about to own you. <laughs> so here's, here's kind of how we're going to do this. There are two rules. One, we need to include all of the elements that we just talked about at the top of the podcast. We're going to recap those good real quick. Yes. We need to include all of those elements, and we can only take one element from each world. Which is so we can't so bummer. we can't take four things from Lord of the Rings. We have to take only one element from each world. Okay, well I'm taking Mount Doom. That's all I'm taking. That's fine. You can have it. Mount Doom, my guy. <laughs> so to recap, these are the key elements that every world needs, and our Franken world will have all of these. Currency. Agriculture. Government slash ruling body. Force of evil. Force of good. Laws slash rules of the world. History. Food. Cultures slash races slash tribes. Technology. Religion. That's, that's all. Those, those are, are all of them. Those are all of them. At least those are the aspects of a good world that we could think of. And now we are going to argue those points. All right. Can we say magic slash technology? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And can we choose a magic and can we choose a technology? Is that, is that okay? I don't think that's okay. No, we have to either choose magic, magic or, or te technology. Oh, my Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that sonic screwdriver again. <laughs> I feel like it's the only thing you know about Doctor Who. No, I also a... know about the TARDIS. I only know that David Tennant played it for a while. Oh, yes. Foxy man, David Tennant. I have no idea. All right, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Currency? We, we can't start too exciting. We've got to <laughs> ease into this. We're starting so we're, with currency. We're starting with economics. John... I'm going to argue this, and I'm going to argue this once. You can't get away from the galleons, the sickles, and the canuts. I understand that, but what, what we're saying here is that out of all of these elements from Harry Potter that we could take, we're going to take canuts? I love me a good canut. 
peanut. I'm just saying, that means we can't use the force of evil in Harry Potter. Oh. That means we can't use the history of magic. We can't use the ministry of magic. I think we should take currency from Star Wars. Currency from Star Wars? Credits. Oh. Gotta get those credits. Or if you're Ray and you're trading in that scrap metal for food, it's one quarter portion. Okay. One quarter portion. If you say so. All right. You know more about Star Wars than I do. Are so we trusting cr- currency to but Star that, Wars? This is. I tough. think we should take currency from like Ready Player One. Oh, like Oasis dollars? Yeah, like Oasis, the coins that like pour out of people when yeah, yeah, like yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. kill. Can we do that? Or a knife, or a nice like blade. Yeah. Nice sword. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, the okay. currency is in Ready Player One sure. is both in actual like online money. Yeah. Shouts to Bitcoin. Shouts to Bitcoin. But also in like. I killed you, so I'm gonna take all of your stuff. Yeah, or or we could do like Hunger Games, and it's just bartering. Like, you give me that stone. I'll oh give no, no, you no, this no, no, no! Because we we are gonna take currency from Ready Player One because we are taking the agriculture from Hunger Games. Agriculture. Because think about it. Each and every one of those districts, they got one uh, good yeah, yeah, covered yeah. man. We just we just. I got my grains. I got my vegetables. I got my fish. I got my parties from the Capitol. Come on now. It's all covered. Oh, yeah. Currency, Ready Player One. We're taking the agriculture from the Hunger Games. Government slash ruling body. We have in parentheses of questionable merit, question mark. At the Ministry of Magic. (laughs) Yes, which, yeah, come on. Um, Do we want the Ministry of Magic? Uh, It's a, it's probably. Because remember, Hermione is in charge now. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. So, Shouts to Pottermore. If you didn't know, Hermione is the current ministress, minst- mistress. mistress of magic. Yes, that is correct. That sounds dirty. It's like, who's your minister? Oh, no, 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 no. We have a mistress. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, but do we want the Ministry of Magic? Um, It's pretty ineffective, but like it's also pretty sick. Got to get that aura department, am I right? Well, here's my question. Uh, I, I trust Hermione Granger's sure. leadership skills. Oh, yeah. And okay, so I think, that, I think the ministry is a very strong choice here. It's, or do we? are we trying to build the world we want to live in, or are we trying to build the world that's going to create the most interesting story? That is an excellent, excellent because point. Because the most interesting story... Story, the government slash ruling body has got to be taken from Game of Thrones. I think that we should create the government, the world that we want to live in. Oh, okay. Then I think probably, probably Harry then. Ministry of Magic? Yeah. Probably Mistress of Magic? Ministress of Magic? I'm looking at all the other things and like. Not many good options. Well, this means if we're creating the world we want to live in, we're choosing no dystopian stuff then. Um, I don't know. Hunger Games is pretty. We did choose Hunger Games. Butt. We did choose Hunger. Okay, let's let's do Ministry of Magic. Ministry of Magic is our government slash ruling body. <laughs> right. Pray for us all. So, Force of Evil. Uh, should we combine Force of Evil and Force of Good? No, I think they should be two separate things. Two separate things. No, I'm serious. Okay, I think they should be okay. two separate things. So the we, force, because like, what if it, what if it was like Wally combating. Uh, Voldemort. I don't know. I want to see. Fun. I want to see that matchup. Uh, Force of Evil. I'm gonna throw something out there. Hit me, Sauron. I, that's what I was gonna say too. I mean, it's 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 tough because there are there. Are, I mean, there are so many good ones. But I, like, I think Wally could wear that ring around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Wally could hold that ring in his hand. <laughs> Wally would be fine. Come on now. Come on now. Wally would be great. I, He's watching Hello Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think another great force of evil is the Fire Nation in Avatar Last Airbender. Oh, uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I'd leave that to you then. Right. Is there anything else you would want from I from either Lord of the Rings or Oh, I think Lord of the Rings would be a tougher one because there are so many things in Lord of the Rings that we could take. But I, I really appreciate the darkness of the Fire Nation. Or, you know what? This is going to go way over your head. Amon from season one of Avatar Legend of Korra, one of the best antagonists <laughs> of all time. If we're talking just can good you, antagonists, can we go the Joker from the Dark Knight series? Can we just create a nerd alert sound effect for when <laughs> you said the words Amon from season one of Last Airbender? Amon was a non-bender who could take the bending of a w- away of anyone, including the Avatar herself in Avatar Legend of Korra, which was but that's a really kick butt. That's not the force, force of, of evil. Oh. The force of evil is Sauron. Sin. Satan. Sin, yes. 
Uh, um, I, my vote would be Sauron. Okay, let's go Sauron. Let's okay. go Sauron. We're sticking with Sauron. I'm for force of good. I'm really gonna stay true to Wally. <laughs> I think that Wally, our hero, our, our hero's gonna be Wally. Wally is just he's a, he's he's cute. He's, he's a man of few words. He gets the job done. Okay, I'm down with that. So we got. We got the eye of Sauron <laughs> against the metal heart of Wally. Oof, against the trash compacting guy, Wally the robot. That's good. That's good. All right. The next one, laws slash rules of the world. You know, we already took from Harry Potter, so we unfortunately cannot use the international statute of secrecy, which is a, is a bummer. We also cannot employ wand law. In our world, but laws and rules of the world. Yeah, that. Okay, here's something. Yeah, a possibility. I'm not saying it's gonna be it. In Mad Max, Mm. there aren't really laws and rules. Okay, uh, because it's post-apocalyptic. Sure. Uh, there, there are, cause there are rulers and people who, but it's only based on who has the resources, sure. who has the water, who has the bullets, who has the gas. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to come back at you with a, with a different one. How to train your dragon. Oh, you know, there are just a bunch of dragons flying around and you can just snatch one and train it for yourself if you want to drag it. And there's a bunch of like weird family rules and yeah, and how, all of that. but how like about all these traditions yeah, and I want. A helmet made from the breastplate of my mother. Come on now. Come on. That's so, good stuff. How to Train Your Dragon? How to Train Your Dragon. Like the rules of it. I'm trying to think of any other. Wait a second. Hold what on. are we doing? I want the rules. If I'm thinking of the world I want to live in. Okay. I want the rules of any Superman movie because there are zero consequences to anything that happens to me physically. Yeah, but there are also just so many aliens come to Earth. If, but we're not talking about... If we're, we're just being, taking the rules and laws. Come on now. If, if we're being honest, Toy Story. Toy Story is a great option. Just a bunch of nice, kind toys in a happy world. Yeah, but you got to freeze every time you see a human. No, we're not the toys. We're just the humans in a happy world. Oh, oh I'll take the rules of Toy Story. Toy then. Story? Yeah, great. I like that. I think that it's Toy Story... Let, like, let our toys run free. What do we want the history of? So, the history of Game of Thrones is pretty extensive. Pretty darn extensive, I will say. Um, however, I do have one that I'm really eyeing for Game of Thrones. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forego it. Do Keep, you have a, Keeping your chips for Game of Thrones? I'm keeping my chips for later. All right. I, I'm gonna throw one out into the ring Avatar, Last Airbender. Okay. Tell me briefly. For sure. For sure. Avatar is set in a fictional world made up of four nations. Mm -hmm. The Fire Nation, Earth Kingdom, Water Tribes, and the Air Nomads. Quoting the uh, intro to Avatar. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most... He vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Bum, 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 So that's, that's a brief history. Can we take the history of Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> No. Yes. No, my only other question we is... We can take the history of Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> no, my only other question is, does it get deeper than that? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you finding out things? Yeah, no, we're it, finding out things. The history of the avatars themselves are very, okay, are cool. very interesting. I'm down. I'm down. We've got to get the giant lion turtles in there. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. History of Avatar, Last Airbender. Now, next... The food, I think we've got a clear winner. A Although, clear winner. But is it, does it count? Because it's Pixar as well. We've already got Wally and Toy Star. Oh, we yeah, already got but two. But they're different worlds. Okay. Just because they're the same production company. Yeah. Okay. Food, got to give it to Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Come on. Gusto's. Gusto's. Gotta be there. Gotta give those rats a chance, my <laughs> I'm guys. I'm all about it. So, food, we've got Ratatouille. 
Obviously. It's a clear choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to fight for Wally, but we've already got it. I would like to drink everything in a cup. Cupcake in a cup. Mm. Those Wally smoothies. I don't want to survive. I want to live. It's a Wally quote. <laughs> is it a Wally quote? It is. <laughs> I think that this is a Wally quote. Hey, he's he is our hero of choice here. Oh my gosh, he's the hero Steer, of all still heroes. Still dumbfounded that Wally is our choice for hero. Oh man. Next coming in cultures slash races slash tribes. Dude, we're looking at districts, districts, houses, factions. Yeah, all that good so stuff. Some ones that obvi- obviously come to mind. I think this is divergent. a clear choice. What? I think this is a clear choice. Is it? I think it is. What? Ah, oh, we already took Force of Evil. Never mind. I yeah, was going to say Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is All a right, good this one. This is a much, much but, tougher choice but now. But here's the thing. The idea of, this whole idea of being sorted and whatnot, that's, that's YA. That's young adult, baby. Mm, love that young adult. We've got to go with Divergent here. Like, are you Dauntless? Are you Erudite? Come on. What are you? Uh, I was Candor. You are Dauntless? Mm-hmm. Is there, like, a test? Yeah, you can take a test. Oh. Online. Yeah, okay, but here's the thing. Why take another test when you can just see what house you're in? Yeah, but we, are, no we already have the Ministry of Magic. <sighs> this is tough. It this is, is tough. tough. Are we going Divergent? Uh, for me, it's either Divergent or, or, haven't really gone this route yet, um, I might be interested in Black Panther. Oh, for this. interesting. Those tribes. Mm-hmm. The tribes. You know, what else would be interesting is the races of Star Trek. Many oh. different alien races there. Mama. Maybe even the races of Jurassic World. Gotta get those dinosaur races <laughs> in the there. species. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the races of um, Secretariat. Those horse races. <laughs> Oh my god, that was the worst thing oh, I've ever heard in my can life. Can we get a can we get a greyhound race? That was up the in worst. Here? Um, yeah, I yeah. Let's just do Divergent. Okay, Divergent. That was all. I think it's right. Literally every young adult novel is Divergent. It's this. It's you know sorting them into places. Yeah. You know. Okay. Good technology. Slash, slash magic. Technology slash magic. We've we've. Haven't used Star Wars. We have not used Star Wars, and like this is the place to use it. This is the place it. to use it. There's also an argument for Aragon. The mechanics okay. of Aragon's magic are very beautiful, are, are really incredible. Yeah, like just very different. That's from why I wanted else. one category for technology, one category. I for think magic. it just makes our job tougher here. Also, are we gonna not talk about Black Panther technology? Oh, uh, okay. The Marvel Cinematic Universe technology. That would be pretty amazing. Well, that's a bit cheating because that's taking okay do seventeen have, worlds. Do we have to choose like one movie? I would. Or one, I would one, say black. I would say the Wakanda tribe. Wakanda tribe. Technology. Okay, so it's an argument between Star Wars, Star Wars, Aragon, and Black Panther. All right. Uh, you eliminate one now. Black Panther. Oh. I'm sorry. Fine, I'm, sorry. I'm eliminating Aragon then. All right, then I think that we have a clear winner. It's Star Wars. You eliminated the one I wanted. I, you eliminated the one I wanted. Great, so we compromised then, probably with both of our second place. No, I still wanted Star Wars. It was tied for first. Oh, you jerk. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. But it's if Star Wars was not on this list, there would be a real problem with us. There would. Uh, a Franken world be. that did not include Star Wars is a crime. A Franken world that doesn't include Aragon, I c- it's passable. Crime for us. Yeah, we are crime both for avid crime for fans. my sixteen-year-old self. Honestly, but crime for my self, self right now. <laughs> um, okay, and last but not least, religion, religion. I've been saving it. Let me introduce you to the religions doom, 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 of a little tale called Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, there are countless religions. And people are switching. People are choosing what religion to be, just so that they. People are pretending to be a religion. Just the so Dothraki, more power. The Dothraki is a tribe. That's just technically. I, that's just the um, name I know. But they do practice a certain type of religion. But with in in Game of Thrones, just to give you an idea, we have the old gods, the faith of the seven. We have the red god, the drowned god, the many faced god, the great stallion, which is shouts to your Dothraki. The Valyrian gods, the secret god of the bearded priests. Okay, that's not a real thing, everybody. There are so many, so many. And so 
I think Game of Thrones is the clear winner on religion because to me, out of all of these most popular worlds that for two reasons, one, out of all these most popular worlds that we're talking about, Game of Thrones is the one out of all of them that goes into religion the most. Yeah. And two, much like our argument with Star Wars, you can't create a Franken world without taking at least one element okay. of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. Yeah. I think, a song of I ice think and fire. we've got our, our all of our heavy, heavy hitters on the list here. All right. I'm we're I'm bummed that we don't have a Bugs Life represented on the list. That is sad. It, that is sad. It, it hurts me a little Hopper bit. Hopper really got screwed by not being our force <laughs> honestly, of evil. Honestly, some other evil. some other heavy hitters that were not on the list. We don't have a single superhero on the list. We don't. We also don't have Star Trek or Narnia. No Narnia. Aslan, King of Kings. He can't be our force of good? Come on, we are two Christian males that didn't oh choose the Jesus figure as our force of good. We chose a metal robot, Chris. <laughs> we, there's no turning back now. That's fine, that's fine. Let's, we're going to run down our we list We have made our quick. bed. We're going to sleep in it. Here is our Franken world, the greatest world ever created. We are taking the currency of Ready Player One. The agriculture of Hunger Games. We are taking the Ministry of Magic headed by your girl, Hermione Granger as our governing body. The force of evil of that big eye in the sky, Sauron. Being fought against by Wally. <laughs> Beetle. My guy, Wally. Wally. We're taking the rules of the world featured in Toy Story. The history of Avatar Last Airbender. That good, good Nori Chur, otherwise known as food from we're, Ratatouille. We're splitting into our factions from Divergent. Oh, yeah, we are. Dauntless for the win! Gotta get that technology from Star Wars. Give me that space speeder. And then, last but not least, we are worshipping the old gods, or is it? The, the red seven. gods. Or the red gods. Or the many-faced priests of Dalapo. Or the drowned gods. We are taking the religion of Game of Thrones, and that, my friends, is the greatest world ever crafted. Franken world! <laughs> that was fun. So then, Chris... Hashtag Franken world for life. Hashtag Franken world. Uh, you can tweet at us. So... We have a Twitter account. Go follow it. Go follow it At right Media High Pod. At Media High Pod. Or follow us on Instagram. At Media High will be there. So we created our Franken world. What about people who perhaps this is maybe the first time that I'm assuming a lot of people who are listening to this have ever really thought about world building as a thing. Yeah. And they're finding, they're discovering, wow, I actually love all of these worlds. Or maybe there's been several that we've mentioned that they haven't even heard of. Go and check them out. But if At someone Aragon, the underdog, come on now. If anyone really is interested in Beginning to dive into this discussion and this topic, where should they go? Yeah, sure. Like, what are the what are the worlds you need to know and understand? I think to start off, we've got the just absolutely classic worlds of young adult fiction, which lays heavily into the into the theme of dystopian future factions, fictions, mm-hmm. tribes, and I think there is explained and detailed very clearly in Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are other ones that you can look into, but Hunger Games is one of the most iconic with its with its 12 districts. If you want to know one that was a little shout to one that was far before its time, The Giver. The Giver is basically the beginnings of what is now literally every young adult fiction, but if you want to look at what I would consider to be the best world of the YA genre that brings in that dystopian future, I think check out Hunger Games, at least the first book, at least the first book. John, what's next for us? So next, I think we we sort of went down the list and we were like, well, what actually checks all of these boxes? Because I think that's important as well. Like there are certain worlds that they have an incredible you know battle between good and evil but there's they're missing a lot of the other things that perhaps round out the world and as we went through we discovered that game of thrones george rr martin's game of thrones it literally checks every single box Mm -hmm. and it checks every single box in, in a really really good way which is funny because it is a world that is not complete yet necessarily in terms of the story because the books aren't done but if you're looking for something that checks off every single box of what we as experts would think of as a good world game of thrones is where you should go game of thrones i i think there's another category that we need to hit which is the most 
extensively built out world, the mm. world with the most source material going for it. And I think that lies in the wizarding world of Harry Potter written brilliantly by JKR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and still being written <laughs> and still, and that's the thing. It's still being written. So in the world of Harry Potter, you've got the seven original books You've got spin-off books. You got eight movies. You got eight movies. Now nine. Now nine. Almost Soon to ten. Be ten. You've got a play. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Pottermore, which is perhaps the biggest of the spin-offs. That in, J.K.R. is still writing. That still on. J.K.R. is still consistently putting out essays on the ever-expanding world of Harry Potter, whether it be foreign wizarding schools, magic in the United States. There's an incredible amount of information and new knowledge to be found on Pottermore, written by J.K.R. So as far as, like, how much material there is in the world... We gotta go. We gotta go with Harry Potter. Yes. So obviously, our three recommendations thus far have been three that probably a lot of people are pretty familiar with. So we decided to throw one extra one in there that we both just thought is very unique, uh, and maybe a lot of people necessarily haven't checked out unless you're a little bit more nerdy like us. And that is the world of Ender's Game. Ender's Game is incredibly unique and. Yet it is here. It's set in our own world. Yeah. What other fictional story has ever been based on three children, very young, like six, nine, 10, 13, whatever, however old they are in the story, one of them going off into space to command a fleet in an alien war, and the other two to help shift the political culture of the world with their writing online? What other story ever does that? What yeah. other story ever has three very young children with this much power and authority in the world mm-hmm. that they're living in? Yeah, and it's Scott Card, yeah? Orson Scott Card, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's definitely his most accessible book. Oh, for sure. As we talked about earlier. For sure. So if you're looking for something maybe a little bit off the beaten path but not too hipster, check out Ender's game. So if you're jumping into world building for the first time, check out Hunger Games, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and Ender's Game. That's your list. That's the one. That's what you need to know. Now, whether it be sprawling lands of the Shire or the Fire Nation's fleets, it's time to choose our pick of the week. John? So my pick of the week, it is a season two of a show that I adored. And I mean adored season one of. It is season two. And and season two, I should say, lived up to the hype. Mine is season two of American Vandal on Netflix. Have you seen it, I have Cristobal? Not. Have I you have seen not. season one? I have not. Oh, do you know what it is? I don't. Oh, wow. Okay, so. Uh, I mean, I've heard of it. I've heard okay. of it. So American Vandal, it is a Netflix mockumentary series oh, that essentially makes fun of the making of murderers, the jinx, all of these like cold case documentary series. But it, the first season is about a high school prank where someone drew penises all over the teacher's cars and the teacher's lot and to figure out who did it. Okay. And the, and it's so funny because it, it literally just takes all of the elements of what makes making a murder and those things work and applies them to high school kids drawing penises. Wow. It's very, very funny. It was nominated for an Emmy. Like, really, really good. It has like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Season two, same creators, same like two host guys. And what uh, season two, the case is, <laughs> they're essentially someone contaminated the lemonade at a Catholic school and all the kids pooped their pants one day. Oh my gosh. And it is, it's very, very funny. It goes, trust me, it goes beyond potty humor. Um, And actually season two really tries to say something through humor, which I really appreciated. So if you're willing to watch something that uh, has some language and, you know, obviously some potty humor, but really is just really well done, very unique, very funny, and is actually saying something as well about society, check out American Vandal season two. That's my pick of the week. And if you need something a little less sophisticated and a little more cartoony, check out The Dragon Prince, a recently released Netflix show made by the creators of 
Avatar Last Airbender. I've only watched the first two episodes. It's intriguing. Yeah? It's intriguing. I've been wanting to click on it, actually. It's it's very interesting. I appreciate that it is a show geared more towards young teenagers set in a fantasy world similar to Clone Wars or something, which is so, something that I was just talking about a yeah, couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's your teen animation that you've been looking for. fantasy animation. Sure, I have not watched a ton of it, but I am excited to watch more and will let you know my thoughts once I've watched season one. All right, Chris, we have been existing in so many worlds today. So many worlds. I feel like I've been pulled across the universe a couple times tonight. But inevitably, we have to return to our own. Of course we do. Now, remember, don't do drugs. Just make stuff. We'll see you next week on Media High. And until then, try not to get lost in the Chamber of Secrets. And remember to... Run, you fools. Griphook. Vault number 713. Griphook. <laughs> if you place your hand, if any, if any butter, if any butter. All right, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know our song at all. Oh, so I was kind of close. You were kind of close. Okay.